listening to Closer Look. Feeling tired, gloomy, unmotivated? Lots of things can go wrong that could flip your day upside down, but ever wonder why at times that cloud hovering over your head just won't go away? Maybe you're just lonely. This is Closer Look. I'm Rafael Sierra, and today we're talking about loneliness, what may be causing you to be lonely, and what you can do to start feeling happy again. Dr. Kristen DeWitt is professor of psychology at Cedarville University. She says feeling the blues doesn't automatically mean you're depressed. Loneliness itself is a painful awareness that we lack close and meaningful contact with other people. Sometimes feeling emotionally or socially disconnected from other people. And so I think it's important that we look at what loneliness is and then how that can be counteracted. So how would you describe loneliness? Is that a, an emotion? Sure. It involves a feeling of like an inner emptiness, isolation, um, and intense longing for relationships, even sometimes when surrounded by other people. I think we've all been in a crowd, and amidst the crowd, we feel lonely. So yes, it is an emotion. It's the way we assess the situation around ourselves, um, whether we're feeling that lack of contact with other people. Frequently, there are feelings of sadness, discouragement, maybe even restlessness or anxiety um, accompanied by just wanting to be needed and wanting to be loved by another human being. Um, And sometimes there's the intense desire to reach out, but sometimes individuals don't know how to initiate that or experience a close relationship. Now, is loneliness tied to depression? Loneliness can be tied to depression. Um, People can be depressed and as a result of that feel lonely, but it can also work the flip side. People can feel lonely and therefore it can lead to a depression for sure. And how many people out there would you say are affected by loneliness or or is that something uh, that's hard to measure? That's a very interesting question. I came across a study that said that nearly half of all Americans feel lonely. Young people especially experience the brunt of the pain of loneliness. Um, They did a nationwide survey of 20,000 adults and found that 50% of them lack companionship. They feel like their relationships are not meaningful and they feel isolated from others. So half of Americans view themselves as lonely. Those are staggering statistics, I think, that half of the Americans feel lonely. Who out there suffers from loneliness? Uh, You mentioned uh, briefly young people, but are there certain groups of people in our communities that suffer from loneliness um, more than others? I think oftentimes it's circumstantial. If you think of a child who is lonely because they're having difficulty making friends at a new school, Um, That's one thing, but then there's also elderly individuals who perhaps lose a spouse and they feel the loneliness as well. But then even in between, there can be other ages where you've just moved to a new location and you don't have friends yet and that feeling of loneliness can creep in. And I'm glad you brought up children and teens and then and then the elderly. Uh, who do you think suffers more from loneliness? Uh, we've heard a lot of uh, older Americans that, that really struggle with this. I do think it's the older Americans that struggle with loneliness because they perhaps have been with a spouse for many, many years. And if that spouse passes away, it's like their whole life has changed and they have to figure out how to develop and build relationships without that spouse in their life. And so there's an emptiness there. 
So the older individuals do struggle with um, loneliness. And do you think that loneliness is brought on by oneself or is it brought on by circumstances or, or, or is it both? It can be both. I think internal factors play a part too, like low self-esteem and lack of self-confidence. Sometimes those individuals have feelings associated with loneliness, like that intense emptiness, the sadness, feeling rejected, and longing, really longing to want a friendship or want to be needed. This is Closer Look. I'm Rafael Sierra, and today we're talking about loneliness, what may be causing you to be lonely, and what you can do to start feeling happy again. Something that people have been researching recently is social media. I find it very interesting because we're all into social media, and social media can be very positive. It's a great way to keep up with friends, but there can also be some pitfalls to social media comparing one another with what you see in other people's lives on social media. You know, when you look on social media, the pictures and the comments, it makes it look like everybody else's life is perfect and glamorous. And comparing your own life to those lives on social media makes someone feel lonely and make them feel insignificant. But then there's another pitfall with social media, and that is oftentimes referred to as social snacking. And this is when people are on social media, but they're just browsing. They're looking at people's profiles. They're reading the comments, but they're not engaging. They're not making any comments of their own. And so that makes them feel even more isolated. It all depends on how social media is used as to whether it might result in loneliness. So face-to-face is probably a better choice than social media and high-tech, correct? Yes, exactly. I think that if people are spending time browsing through social media and they're doing that to take their mind off their loneliness, perhaps they need to reconsider spending less time online and spend more time cultivating friendships and growing relationships. And this pertains to young people. Do you think that is one of the biggest causes right now for young people experiencing loneliness? Oh, I think loneliness? if we just look around, we see that most people are glued to their cell phones. Um, and so, yes, I do think that oftentimes young people, they're missing what's going on around them, and they're not developing the social skills and building relationships that would really ward off those feelings of loneliness and not just being unaware of what's going around them, but then also going back to that comparison, you know, looking at social media and comparing their lives with what people present their lives on social media to be perfect and wonderful, when in reality, we know that's not the case. Is there anything being done to curb this? Or is it just something that we have to kind of learn to deal with as we grow? I think especially with young children, um, if they have access to social media, parents take control of that and limit the time that they are on electronic devices or on social media. But even um, hoping to raise awareness to high schoolers, college-age students, young adults, just the importance of having a conversation face-to-face and speaking to one another. I find even as a college professor that I get more and more emails with students asking me questions rather than just asking me after class or stopping by my office. 
just seems interesting that social media and the use of it and not doing the face-to-face thing like many of us grew up doing, it's causing loneliness. I mean, is it the instant gratification type of instant messaging? Is that what's causing it, or do you think? Well, a lot of it is that students experience the FOMO, fear of missing out, and so they they are always on social media because they want to see what their friends are doing and they don't want to miss out on anything. Yet, in essence, they're missing out on life because they're glued to their electronic device. They're spending more and more time online and less time building friendships that um, lead to satisfactory feelings about oneself and encouraging others and building one another up verbally instead of just scrolling through social media. Some of us understand loneliness as perhaps being a short-term effect, but is there such thing as chronic loneliness? Chronic loneliness would occur if someone gets stuck in that cycle of feeling rejected and not attempting to build relationships with people, it can become chronic and they can isolate themselves even more. And the more they isolate themselves, then the less courage they have to reach out to someone. And it it can be a vicious cycle and, and it can be chronic to the point psychologically of somebody almost becoming a prisoner of their own home, that they don't want to leave their home because of the fear of like having an anxiety attack because they're not around individuals enough and so it makes them feel very anxious and very nervous. But the more they stay isolated, the harder it's going to be for a person to reach out to even initiate the simplest of relationships. We talk about the weather, we talk about seasons. Is loneliness a year-round thing? I'm sure those things contribute to it, but is is it uh, just up to the person? Uh, is, Is that the case? It's pretty subjective, yes, but As you talk about the seasons, um, the winter seasons, especially up north or when it becomes darker earlier and it's staying darker longer, people tend to stay in more than get out and be social. So during those months, I think people need to be aware of the possibility of becoming lonely and really pushing themselves to um, do things with their friends, make sure they're going to church and being with other believers that can build them up and not just be isolated in their home. How does loneliness affect the body? Sure, loneliness does affect the body in many ways. It can be something that affects one's level of depression, which can be biologically based, um, which is also emotional, but it can cause cardiovascular disease, which could lead to a stroke often due to increased stress levels and even being lonely can increase one's stress level. And the more isolated a person becomes, it can cause a decrease in their memory and poor decision-making. And then sometimes, unfortunately, um, lonely individuals turn to alcohol, which results in alcoholism and drug abuse, which alters the brain function and Lonely adults consume more alcohol and get less exercise um, than those who are not lonely. So people who are lonely often will eat, have a diet that is higher in fat. They don't get the sleep they need, um, and therefore they're tired. They experience daytime fatigue. So loneliness does disrupt physiological functioning for sure. And do you think it's because uh, they lose hope? Do you think that's part of the cause? I think the longer someone is lonely, 
they become depressed and then the longer one is depressed they spiral downward into a despondency where they ultimately come to the point where they feel that there's no hope but there is hope that's the encouraging thing that there is hope um, especially as believers there's hope in Christ there's hope in knowing that God says he will never leave us or forsake us I mean that's a verse right there to hang your hat on I also think of Romans 8, 38 and 39 that says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons nor the present or future, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. And those are some encouraging promises that believers can claim and need to focus on, just realizing that nothing, absolutely nothing can separate us from God's love. And that, that gives a person hope. This is Closer Look. I'm Rafael Sierra, and today we're talking about loneliness, how it can become a problem if you let it, but most importantly, what you can do to turn things around. Pastor Bill directs the pastoral care team here at the station and says to get rid of loneliness, sometimes all you got to do is look up. When we think of the spiritual aspects of this topic of loneliness, if you have a faith, if you're living your life in faith, and you have a knowing and a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, we're never alone. He is always with us. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. There's some scripture that really just emphasizes the the value of and the reality of, of our position with God through Christ. So do you see a large number of people being affected by loneliness? You know, I really do. We have, uh, we have an incredible phone ministry here uh, where our listeners will call in basically dealing with difficulties and struggles. And a very large percentage of those who are calling in, they really do not have a community of faith or they do not have a community around them to give them support. Uh, you know, if you, if you think about the idea of loneliness, it's actually a form of torture. You know, if you think about uh, setting people aside in isolation really is a way back in the day that they would, they would torture you or they would uh, punish or discipline you. What would they do? They'd put you in solitary confinement to where you couldn't have any interaction with other people. And I think culturally, we're just really struggling and dealing with a lot of difficult things along those lines. There's kind of two main categories, individualism and isolationism. Under individualism, we all subscribe to our favorite radio station, WIIFM, What's In It For Me. We all think kind of selfishly. And a lot of the slogans and the jingles, you know, I think of the old army, you know, be an army of one kind of a thing. Well, that's, that's, uh, that's, those words don't get together. They don't go together very well. We can't be an army of one. It's focusing on that individualism or have it your way. You know, some of these things that are very famous, you know, slogans that I think they really kind of form our minds in a lot of ways. And so if you think about the many aspects of just individualism, I think it, it kind of comes into uh, into our way of thinking. We don't even know it because we just kind of absorb it from the culture and from the, our various inputs that we have there, you know, along those lines. And I think the second part of that has to do with isolationism. If you think about the North American culture, it's not only focusing on it's about you and your individualism, be strong, be a, you know, an army of one kind of a thing. There's also this form of isolationism where it's, you know, if you, in our, in our community where I live here, uh, a lot of times uh, my neighbors can pull in open the garage door, pull their car in, close the garage door, and we don't even get to see them until they're coming out maybe to the local mailbox or if they're out mowing their lawn, you know, kind of thing. So I think oftentimes we don't even realize how isolated we can be. You can literally stay in your home and have groceries delivered. You can have almost prescriptions delivered. You can you can never even have to get outside your doors 
other than to get your mail or to, you know, go into your front yard kind of a thing where I don't think we realize how often we, um, we can isolate ourselves and, and not spend time with other people. So I think those are two prevailing things that are happening in the culture and some things to be aware of. And so as you think about further in this isolationism is that we can get into the point where we are, again, working through social media to have all of our input there instead of just kind of this, uh, this fellowship and this, this gathering together. In your opinion, which groups of uh, communities or you brought up cultures uh, that you encounter that you think are probably more prone to suffer to loneliness? There's a generational gap. There's a generational seasonal situation in life where, again, I think younger people are just dealing with more loneliness as a whole. I think you can also, you can maybe there's some rule applications or some, some times where we get into circumstances or situations where we don't realize that we don't have outside input or so we can kind of have insider thinking or small thinking in a way that can really affect us uh, along those lines. Uh, One example I think is think about what happens when you walk into a room. Most of the time when we walk into a room, we look for somebody we know. Now, if you think about just an old classic show that was on TV years ago called Little House on the Prairie, Uh, This aspect of fellowship or this aspect of longing and needing intimacy and needing relationship and needing other people in our life, what happened on that show, I think, kind of indicates really small town rural uh, towns where when a stranger came to town, everybody went to go greet them and to welcome them instead of really focusing on themselves and understanding who's somebody I know or can know and how can I belong to this group. So it's in our soul, it's in our heart, it's in our desires to really belong to a group. But it's also um, something that I think we can use as an indicator to realize just how much culturally or in our own environment, in our own town, our own situations and settings where uh, we're either lacking fellowship or community or and or longing for it. Let's talk a little bit uh, about solutions, about, uh, first of all, getting ourselves out of the way and looking for others, looking, looking for that human contact and, and also looking for God. To be clear, there's loneliness and there's choosing to be alone. Uh, sometimes we choose to be alone and uh, perhaps uh, when we're in prayer. So uh, I'm sure that uh, helps out a lot. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, part of I think what you're alluding to here is are you an introvert or an extrovert? And by definition, an extrovert gets energy off of being with other people. Conversely, an introvert is somebody who gets energy off of being alone. So we all need a certain amount of alone time. And I really appreciate that you drew the distinction between that because they are very different. We need alone time for reflection, for time with God, for uh, allowing our own thoughts to kind of come out. But done uh, to too much extreme can turn into a situation where we become lonely and we just don't have other input or or other uh, factors coming in. This is Closer Look. I'm Rafael Sierra, and today we're talking about loneliness, how it can become a problem if you let it, but most importantly, what you can do to turn things around. Dr. DeWitt, I was going to ask you about the mind, uh, even uh, being associated with other people uh, that are like-minded, that are positive, can probably change your mind and and perhaps uh, help you with this loneliness. You're absolutely right. I think when we withdraw from people, we lose the hope and we become lonely. So we, if we can purpose to be around people and people of like faith, seeking fellowship with other individuals that will spur us on, that will encourage us, that's a, a great way to 
try to avoid or deal with one's loneliness. What's the first thing that comes to mind to start fending off loneliness? Sure. I think the first thing is just recognizing that loneliness is a sign that something needs to change. If a person is experiencing loneliness, then something needs to change. And I think on a spiritual level, God can use the pain of loneliness to move me to a deeper relationship with him, but he can also use the pain of loneliness to push me to develop relationships with other people. Um, And what an opportunity to learn and grow and develop and mature. But I think sometimes what Satan has designed for evil, God can use for good, that we can be more than conquerors. We just need to realize that God can use us and use loneliness in our life to move us to a deeper relationship with him. So as we've talked thus far to combat loneliness, I've said much about reaching out to other people, but I also think just focusing on fellowship with Christ, just thanking him for who he is, claiming his promises, his presence and his provisions, just focusing on those four things, his person, his promises, his presence and his provisions. If we're focusing on those things, we have little time to focus on ourselves and our loneliness. Some would argue developing strong social ties with others would be ideal to battle loneliness. But what if you're quiet and reserved? There's a lot of us that are quiet. What can they do instead if they don't want to join a big group? Uh, What what do you think are some uh, solutions for, for people like that? I think that people who tend to be more introverted or more quiet, if they are experienced feelings of loneliness, it would probably be helpful for them to develop one friendship, not feel like I have to go to this party and I'm going to socialize with everyone in the room, but developing one friendship. Or as we mentioned about volunteering or doing community service, perhaps it would be um, finding an area where you can serve that isn't too overwhelming, but they feel like they are giving back. Um, It may be volunteering at a hospital and you're delivering meals or something like that where it doesn't feel too socially overwhelming, but you feel like you're giving back because giving back to others is so rewarding and the feelings of loneliness usually dissipate when we get our eyes off of our circumstances and focus on others. What about getting a pet? Is is that a solution Uh, or, or would human interaction be better? What do you think? A pet is a very good way to um, keep from becoming lonely. I mean, how fun is it to come home and have um, one of your pets meet you and greet you at the door and they can be your sounding board. They don't talk back, (laughs) those types of things and um, companionship. So I think having a pet can be a good thing, but realizing that they aren't giving back to you, you know, verbally, obviously, and you still need human interaction. So I think it could be one of the solutions, but I would not say it is the ultimate solution for loneliness. Because if you remember, loneliness is feeling emotionally or socially disconnected from other people. And so just having a pet is not gonna connect you with other people, but having pets is a really good thing to combat loneliness. Okay, but it's not a substitute to human interaction. Exactly. Pastor Bill, what's the top thing you often tell people to help them deal with loneliness? One of the first things that we're always going to encourage our listeners for is we want to discover who they're living life with. The Apostle Paul talks about uh, bad company corrupts good character. 
And so I like to turn that around and say, if bad company corrupts good character, then good company must corrupt bad character. So what better way than to find a local body of believers in a church to get connected with, to get in a situation where you're serving other people so you can understand a purpose and you can fulfill a mandate of a call to reach the community, to invest into the community, to have others in the community invest into you to help you grow and learn. Really key aspect, I think, of something that we need to do that can really squish out or that can really help us to grow in, our, in understanding loneliness and how to overcome loneliness. Very practical. You know, if you're, if you're dealing with loneliness, I think one of the best things to do is to get outside of ourselves. The key is to focus on somebody or something else. Basically, some of the things we can do along those lines, and if you're dealing with some, some borderline depression, assuming it's not a clinical depression or it's a situational depression, just count the costs of what you have. Count the blessings of what you have. Count what you do have, not what you don't have. And I think it's really easy to take for granted very simple things. You have, you have a meal in front of you. You have clothes on your back. You have a roof over your head. You have people around you who... They may not say it every day or all the time, or they, you may not be able to hear it, but they actually love and care about you. You have parents in your life. You have siblings in your life that actually do value you. And so I think a real practical way to, to both look at kind of this situational depression or loneliness would be to make a list of the things that you have, kind of developing an attitude of gratitude, if you will, that just understands the true things that you do have in your life. Uh, that you can capture. You could even turn around and write a letter of appreciation to somebody. It could be your sixth grade school teacher who really made a difference in your life and taught you the love of reading. And here you are later on in life where you, you're understanding the value of this person taught you how to read. And so writing a note to that person, finding them and, and mailing that off to them to encourage them, things like that I think are really key. I heard you say that we should appreciate the things that we have. And I think that's something that we forget at times and, and we don't realize that, uh, you know, God put these things in front of us, like our families and the things that we have, so we can take advantage of them and, and they can help us in some way or another. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think there's, there's a couple of aspects when we think about our faith. The first thing that comes to mind is this world is not our home. We are not made to be here for eternity. We're made to be in heaven for eternity, but yet we have residence in a temporary place so that we can reach and develop and grow and have life with other people from that country, if you will. And so, so there's so many aspects of faith that we have to understand in this area of loneliness. And a big question here, how about asking for God's help? What's the best way that somebody can do that? I think at the end of the day, it's really important for us to find these win-win-win situations. Everything in our life, we are spiritual people, okay? We are human beings, not human doings. So we have to understand we have to be, and the best way to be with God is to spend time in prayer. It's communication. He hears our hearts. He knows our heart's desires. And prayer is just simply aligning our hearts with God and putting our requests before him and allowing him to speak into our life. So prayer is critical. I think the main way that we hear from God is through his word, through the Bible. So learn who God is and learn what God has to say to you by reading the Bible, capturing what the Bible is saying in the light of your circumstances, where you can turn those things back around into prayer. Uh, I think God is always welcoming us and always extending his hand of grace to us. So in essence, God, he doesn't want us to be alone. Yeah, God does not want us to be alone. In fact, Hebrews 10 verses 24 and 25 says the following. It says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, 
And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So the emphasis here is the fellowship, receiving encouragement, and and being inspired. Uh, Joshua 1.9 is another great passage. It says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will go with you wherever you go. God never leaves us, never forsakes us. He knows every hair in our head, every burden on our heart, and he calls us his sons and daughters. And all he wants is for us to align with him in prayer, align with him by reading his word, grow in that intimate relationship, that abiding relationship that John 15 talks about, so that we can have a strength and a walk and a faith in our faith life. So it's so important to find a group of believers, find a group of good, healthy people that can speak into your life and that you could speak into their life and share life together. My special thanks to Dr. Christian DeWitt, professor of psychology at Cedarville University, and to Pastor Bill, director of pastors and pastoral care here at the station. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with us today and sharing how people can start putting their loneliness behind. For Closer Look, I'm Rafael Sierra.